It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Wednesday, December 6th. I'm Erin Fulton with Raven News. Alaska's response to the national housing shortage has been different than other states. In many areas across the country, new housing is going up rapidly to meet demand. But not in Alaska. In a recent presentation to the Sitka Chamber of Commerce, Nolan Clauda explained that Alaska ranks 45th out of all states in per capita new housing construction, building about two new units per thousand people on average. Within the state, the Matsu was at the top of the list for new construction, and not far behind, surprisingly, is southeast. Sitka actually builds a lot more housing per capita than, than anywhere else in the state besides the Matsu, which is, which is something that's really interesting. This is all adjusted for population. Sitka is building about four units for every thousand people. I found it interesting that, that southeast communities are in the top there. Um, also, Haines, Ketchikan, Skagway are um, above the statewide average, too. Clauda is the director of the University of Alaska Center for Economic Development in Anchorage. He traveled to Sitka to participate in the chamber's fall speaker series on housing. Most of the new housing construction in Sitka is the result of an expansion by the Southeast Alaska Regional Health Consortium. Overall, Clauda said that projects like employer-built housing and new subsidized housing for seniors will improve housing markets, but not necessarily the bottom line for buyers. Whatever the cause, though, I think that's, that's really good news uh, overall. I still want to see much more housing. Nonetheless, I think Sitka is doing better than, than most of our communities in Alaska on this measure, um, even though you know, affordability might still be a big problem. Clauda attributed the affordability problem to a lack of land in the state, high construction costs, and out-of-date zoning laws, most of which were written when Alaska was a different kind of state. A lot of times zoning is about protecting existing neighborhoods from change more than, more than it is about health or safety or, or anything like that. He was also unwilling to place full blame on the growth of short-term rentals for Alaska's high housing costs. Based on anecdotal data, he estimated that 3% of Sitka's housing stock was tied up in short-term rentals. Clauda felt that the short-term rental market was adapting to changes in the visitor industry faster than other types of accommodation. So the challenge that I think it is, it's not that, not that short-term rentals are inherently evil. Um, you know, I think it makes a lot of sense that people would want to have that kind of income supplement. Um, I think the challenge with it is they continue to, each each year, you tend to see more and more housing tied up as, as short-term rentals. That's, you know, as, as visitor numbers increase statewide, we don't necessarily build a lot of hotels anymore. Um, you know, around the state, you don't see a lot of hotel construction happening. Uh, so more and more of your housing stock gets tied up as short-term rentals, and we have really low rates of building. So more and more housing stock becomes, you know, essentially a hotel. Cloud has said he feared the short-term rental trend growing out of hand, however, and he favored imposing caps to keep them in check. Nolan Clauda is the director of UAA's Center for Economic Development. He spoke at Sitka Chamber's Fall Housing Series on November 29th. A new backlog in the state's food stamp program has left some Alaskans waiting months for their benefits. More than 12,000 Alaskas have pending applications for the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, better known as SNAP. Some date as far back as July. That's according to Deb Etheridge, the state's director of public assistance. She said there are a number of reasons for the backlog, from office closures for poor weather to short staffing and computer system upgrades. But she says the biggest holdup is a federal requirement reinstated in October after the end of the federal health emergency. I would say the single most impactful factor is the requirement from Food Nutrition Services for the state of Alaska to reinstate mandatory interviews for every application or recertification of SNAP that was processed. 
The issue affects more than 10% of the state's roughly 92,000 SNAP recipients. The Anchorage Daily News reported in October that the new backlog is partially a result of the state's effort to catch up from an earlier slowdown that brought wait times to an unprecedented 11 months. Before the interview requirement was reinstated, Etheridge says each application took about an hour to process. She says the interviews nearly double the workload. So where we could have um, processed over 100 cases a day, we were dropping to uh, 70 and sometimes less than 70 a day. She says her department has paused interviews for now and is working with federal officials on other ways to streamline the process. The pause means the agency could fall out of compliance with federal regulations. But Etheridge says her agency meets with federal officials weekly and plans to work closely with the Food and Nutrition Service on a fix. Etheridge says the state is also working with an outside contractor on improving its workflow. She says the Department of Public Assistance has made more workers eligible for overtime and plans to offload some Medicaid processing onto contractors who can't legally handle SNAP applications. I know this is not good news and it's an unfortunate situation, but our team is really doing the best we can to innovate and find solutions. And we just um, really appreciate them so much. Everyone's effort has just been incredible. Etheridge says roughly 95 percent of the applicants stuck in the backlog applied for at least one other assistance program, like adult public assistance or heating assistance, in addition to SNAP. She says her division has nearly 50 openings for eligible technicians who process applications for SNAP and other state assistance programs. Taylor Swift and Miley Cyrus went on the stand in Sitka recently as part of the 2023 Color of Justice program. For an afternoon, students at Mount Edgecombe High School took on the roles of judges, attorneys, and witnesses for a mock trial aimed at encouraging students to consider legal careers. KCAW's Meredith Reddick brings us this story from the celebrity-studded trial. Naomi Oxrock is trying on a curly gray wig that someone has left on the judge's bench in the Sitka courthouse. Oxrock is a Mount Edgecombe High School student from Wales, Alaska. Today, she's presiding over the case State of Alaska v. Miley Cyrus. Sitting next to Oxrock, also in judge's robes, is Noma attorney Sigofana Dopcock. So I am the, the judge helper. I'm, I'm her shadow, basically. Oxarok decides against the wig, and after conferring briefly with Topcock, she calls for opening statements. Will the district attorney do their opening? 86 students from Mount Edgecombe High School are here for Color of Justice, an educational program that encourages students from underrepresented populations to consider legal careers. They've only had about an hour to prepare questions, read affidavits, and learn their roles. Students around the courthouse are sitting on the floor and in folding chairs, hunched over their papers, drafting questions for cross-examination with gel pens and trying to memorize their own testimony. Legal professionals are scattered among the students answering questions. The Color of Justice program was started by the National Association of Women Judges in 2001. A version has taken place in Sitka every other year since 2011. Kelsey Potovin is an education outreach manager at the Alaska Native Justice Center in Anchorage. She says one goal of this week's program is to build more Alaska Native representation in the courtroom. It's certainly an experience that I never had to have when I was in high school. And I think if I had had something like this in school, I might have 
you know, chosen a different career path. And I think people think that sometimes that they're not smart enough, they're not rich enough, they're not something enough to go to law school and to go through the whole process of becoming a lawyer or a judge. Um, so we're here to tell them they can. The trial, a fictional fight between the state and a pop star over a stolen cell phone, is taking place simultaneously in three different courtrooms because there are so many students. While Judge Oxrock hears opening statements in one room, one of the real-life attorneys in another room stops the proceeding to remind the defendant of her rights. So everybody on the jury, you're not supposed to hear this. Cover your eyes and your uh, eyes and your ears. One ear. You're not supposed to hear. Okay. <laughs> Miss um, uh, um, Cyrus, uh, you uh, have the right to testify, and it's your choice whether you testify or not. You can talk to your uh, attorney about whether you want to testify, but it's not their decision to make. Back in the first room, student Adigan Pensley, who is serving as a defense attorney today, calls Taylor Swift to the stand for a cross-examination. Now, Taylor Swift, was there anyone who saw this exchange between you and Miley in the hallway? Yes. Uh, Kylie, Je Kylie Jenner was there. We were eating lunch together. No, sorry. Uh, I'm asking uh, when you alleged that you asked uh, Miley to return your phone. Judge Oxrock keeps the enthusiastic courtroom in check with the help of Topcock and Alaska Supreme Court Justice Jude Pate, who is standing in the corner offering encouragement. Why is it overruled? It's overruled because you're making an objection against your own team. Pate, who served as the Sitka Superior Court judge before transitioning to the Supreme Court, says he has helped with color of justice events for the past decade. His goal is to bring together attorneys, judges, and students. And make sure that the students at Edgecombe know that this is their court, that this is their future if they want it, that it's there for them. Before Judge Oxrock, Pensley makes a rousing closing statement for the defense. Members of the jury, there has been conflict between these two teenagers. But to convict Miley, you would have to conclude that there is proof beyond a reasonable doubt that Miley intended to deprive Taylor of this phone. But in this case, there is not no such evidence. Ultimately, two juries ruled that Miley Cyrus was not guilty of theft in the third degree. One jury ruled that she was guilty. And Justice Pate's verdict? We have two presenters who graduated from Edgecombe and attended Color of Justice, and now they're back here teaching Color of Justice. That's just magic. That tells us that it's working, and that's just, it just makes me happy just to be here. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Meredith Reddick. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News.